You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, guys? Welcome into Packers Total Access. This is the Chalk Talk edition. Actually, we're going to just cancel out the Chalk Talk today, and we're going to go back and kind of recap the Joe Rogan experience episode with Aaron Rodgers and kind of get you guys set. No, don't, don't turn it off, all right? Don't turn it off. lost half the audience. <laughs> My God, Twitter today, boys. Stay away from it. Stay away from Twitter. Um, so, Anyway, my name's Clayton. This is Packers Total Access. Um, every week we do a Chalk Talk segment where we break down a, a play um, from the previous game. We want to kind of give you guys some insight on what's going on on the field, a little bit of terminology, just to kind of give everybody a little bit better understanding of what the goal was in the play call, things like that. But uh, you can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. I'm also joined by Pack Daddy himself, Mr. Ryan Schlipp. And also from Packernet Podcast, Jacob. How you guys doing today, fellas? I'm doing wonderful. Doing great. It's a little rainy here. Not sure what it's like over by you, Ryan, but it's been raining. I'm not sure either. I haven't looked out my window. <laughs> <laughs> Every time we do this, Ryan's like, I have no idea what's going on. No, no I, I sit in the corner of a dark kitchen sucking down coffee, and then I come downstairs. <laughs> a dark kitchen? <laughs> not even in a chair on the ground. But down here, dude, it's hot. It's going to be in the 90s this week. It's, I mean, it's hotter than a $2 pistol. It is horrible. Um, I cannot wait for fall to get here. I'm just yeah. telling you right now. So, all right, let's waste no time. Guys, understand this is the podcast. Um, we, we're going to try our best to describe this play. Um, we're watching it visually, obviously, but we want to want you guys listening to it on the pod uh, to be able to understand exactly what we're talking about. So um, it's all a work in progress. Hopefully we can give you a visualization of what's going on, but really just to kind of understand uh, a little bit more in depth, this Matt LaFleur scheme, the system. And uh, let's just go ahead and get right to it. I'm going to share the screen here with the fellas and <clears throat> let's pull up the play we're going to talk about. First of all, the terminology of the play. This play call is 11 gun bunch, strong left, halfback strong, zone right, bubble alert. Okay, 11, gum bunch, strong left, halfback strong, zone right, bubble alert. Now, again, I always put this out there, this this disclaimer. Everybody is different in the coaching realm on how they call plays. Okay, the terminology is different throughout all coaching staffs. You've got passing, uh, you know, uh, route combinations. You've got concepts that are pretty much global, but for the most part, everyone calls the play a little bit different. So that's how I would word this play. Now let's break down what all this means. First of all, 11, that's your personnel. Um, one running back, one tight end, right? One and one, that's 11. That's how you get your personnel. That basically means it's a three wide receiver set. Gun bunch, 
means they're in the shotgun and there is a bunch, meaning there's a cluster of receivers slash tight end on one side of the formation. In this case, we're going from right to left on screen and the gun bunch, the bunch aspect is on the bottom of the screen. Okay. In that bunch, you've also got strong left. That means the tight end is lined up on the left side of the field. Therefore, the bunch has to be on the left side of the field. Imagine this is the camera behind the offense, okay, what we what we like to dub the Madden camera, right? So everything we say terminology-wise from a directional standpoint is is in, you know, it's, it's, it's talking from that viewpoint, okay? And we're going to try not to confuse everybody. So the strong, the gun bunch, strong left, you got the cluster on the left side of the field, and you've got halfback strong. That tells you that the running back is going to be in the sidecar next to Jordan Love on the tight end side of the field. So it's really a left overload from the offense's perspective, okay? Zone right means this is a zone right run. This is an outside zone right run, which means it's B to C gap run, okay? The, the goal is to get outside of the guard, and then depending on how well the right tackle sets the edge, that's going to determine where the running back cuts. But essentially what you're trying to get is a seal on the outside of the right guard, and on the inside of the left tackle. That's the goal here on this play. Now, what's the bubble alert? The bubble alert is this is an RPO call. And if it was not, if it was just strictly an RPO, then it would just be called bubble. But the alert is very, very important. The alert tells me that when we come to the line of scrimmage, Jordan Love is going to decide at the line of scrimmage, if he, if he looks over and he likes the hat count, on the bunch side where this bubble is going, which the bubble is basically a bubble screen. So you're going to have the back receiver, which in this case would be the uh, the slot receiver, Amari Rogers, who's lined up on the inside, just inside, but behind uh, Josiah DeGuara, who's actually the Y on this play. Um, the goal would be to have him fan out in the flat and then Jawan Winfrey, who's playing the, uh, playing the Z, and like I said, Josiah DeGuara playing the Y, would block down on the DBs and get a bubble screen to the wide receiver. However, the fact that um, when you come to the line, if you don't say alert, if he says alert at the line of scrimmage, if Jordan Love says alert, that signals to the offensive line that, hey, I may throw the RPO here. But the fact that he did not go alert, and I'll, sh I'll tell you why here in just a second, I'll show the guys on the screen. The reason I know that alert was not activated was because you can watch Josh Myers he fires off the ball and immediately gets two, three yards down the field before Jordan Love has even faked the handoff. And the reason I know the alert wasn't called was because if he fires that RPO pass, then that's an ineligible downfield on Josh Myers. So if they come to the line and Jordan Love says alert, that tells Josh Myers, lag back a bit. I may throw the RPO. Okay, so that's the whole alert aspect to the play call. I just wanted to point that out and kind of uh, – help educate people on, on how that works. Again, 11, gun bunch, strong left, halfback strong, zone right, bubble alert. That's the play call. Now, first things first, guys, 11 personnel. What 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 does that do? It forces a nickel defense. So basically they're, they're being forced to remove either a defensive lineman or a linebacker and replace him with an undersized DB. So 11 personnel kind of sets the stage to give you an advantage in the running game, in my opinion, right? So when we go strong left bunch, what that does is it forces an overload 
on the bottom side of the screen here. Again, we're going from right to left on the left side of the formation from the offense's perspective. You've got a bunch overload. You're automatically taking this safety out of the play. Now, he could key in and really cover the backside of this run, right? But as the play develops, you can see they snap the ball. The safety completely – all he's doing is looking at Amari Rodgers in the slot, and he reads bubble screen, and he immediately attacks, attacks the right side. And as he attacks the right side, now you've got the hat count advantage that you want on the run on the, uh, on the backside, the weak side of the formation. Okay, it's important to understand that the nickel put them in that disadvantage – and then it kind of reinforces it with the strong overload on the bunch side. Now, you can see the RPO bubble effect, and it's kind of like the last play we broke down, guys, um, on the last Chalk Talk episode. Pre There's so much going on pre-snap that you're already putting strain on the defense, and the ball hasn't even been snapped yet. What stands out to you here right here, Ryan, uh, just pre-snap as we get into the early stages of the play? Well, the, the first thing that – and I, I don't know if this is intentional or if it's if it's just kind of um, the way that you've got the camera set up, and I'm sorry for the people that can't see it or whatever, but the stance that Jordan Love is in right now, it looks like he's about to fire that ball out of his hand. Mm -hmm. He's in a stance right now that says, I'm about to throw this, and he's staring right at the wide receiver. So one of the things that you'll notice as this play gets going is these these guys who are trying to cover the pass are killing themselves to break this thing up even after the running back has the ball. And I, 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 I don't know. Maybe it's just by design that no matter what, this is what we're doing. But I do think that's a, an additional part of this fake that um, probably would go unnoticed. He's in a, in a stance that says, I'm about to fire this ball out, and he's staring right at the wide receiver as he hands the ball off. And, and you know, as we're going to look at, this, this fake is what blew up the whole play right out of the gate. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Completely agree. What about you, Jacob? Yeah, I mean, um, like Ryan says, I guess I didn't notice how much of the play kind of rests on Jordan Love. As we were talking about after um, or right before the stream started live, I, uh, this is the type of play where you used to see Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers continue the play and throw that fake pass even after the ball had been handed off. Um, and I see why, because like you said, I mean, if you split the field in half, it almost feels like you look down and all the three DBs, all four DBs, they were looking at those three wide receivers and they completely are not looking at the other side of the field. And if you look at the D linemen and the linebackers, they're completely almost reading the run and not looking at that side of the field. It's such a brilliant play design. Um, and then the other thing is just watching the offensive linemen just immediately, like you said, charge out of their stance and they knew exactly where they were going. Um, and it's really fun to see them uh, take that position. And I'm sure you're going to go into that in just a minute here. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> let's, let's pretend that the alert was on right here. So, if the alert's on, that tells the offensive lineman, lag back, right? I may throw it. But when he looks right here, Jordan Love's looking at, he's trying to decide, am I going to pull the ball out of the belly of the running back and throw this bubble, right? Now, if this safety right here, for some reason, if his defensive coordinator, his coach said, hey, look, I really want you to be aggressive on the running aspect of the RPOs, and he breaks down into this box and he gets right in here, Jordan's pulling this ball out, throwing it in the to the bubble because he's got a hat on a hat out here, and there's literally nobody for Amari to make miss, right? If these guys just get in the way of these two D, this DB and this linebacker, then he's off to the races. But again, the alert wasn't on, and I guarantee you the alert wasn't on because they're showing a too high look. It's just outside of this frame, but they have two safeties deep, so he knows that once it, let's say this guy doesn't. 
let's say he does come in, right? But the fact that you've got a safety over here too, you're really minimizing the game. The advantage is on this side of the, of the field, the weak side of the field, to the run side. And the reason being is look at this view right here, guys. When you look at this now, now guys, everybody listen on the podcast, we are on the end zone view uh, from behind the offense, zoomed in on the box. This is what they call the box cam. Okay. So this is showing everything within the tackle box. Now, from Jordan Love's perspective, you come pre-snap, right? And you're trying to decide, are we going alert or not? He comes to the line of scrimmage. What you essentially have is within the tackle box, you only have three defenders inside the tackle box. You've got two defensive tackles who are in three techniques. And again, three techniques. Let me describe it again for the if we're getting new listeners. A zero technique is a defensive lineman lined up right over top of the center. A two technique would be over top of either guard. And then a four technique would be over top of the tackle. So you get even numbers, head up on the offensive lineman. Now, the fact that he's in a three, if he was in the A gap, it would be a one technique. If he's in the B gap, it would be a three technique. So you've got these two defensive tackles playing three technique, okay? So that's how they line up. When you look at the three technique, you've also got the defensive end in a six technique. This is screaming outside zone run. <clears throat> the reason being is you're looking to get a seal here and a seal out here. This six technique is already at a disadvantage, and you've got the hat count on the right side, the run side. Everything screams run the freaking football right here, okay? It's important to, to point that out. Now, let's do this. So, essentially, you had only two defenders on the run side, inside the box on the run side. What do I mean by that? Let's draw a box from the center to the right tackle, outside of the right tackle. That is your run side box. There's literally – I mean, you, you only have, if I'm looking at it correctly here, you've only got two defenders inside that box. And one of them is a safety that's literally 10 yards down the field. So he's not technically in the box, just from a horizontal standpoint. This is this is keyed up for a big run from the get-go. So now, on the strong side, you've got the six technique, right? The outside, you've got the uh, the defensive end on that side, on the uh, on the strong side right here. The thing that makes this play go, and it kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with the last chalk talk where we talked about the Sith block, right, where they just left the defensive end completely unblocked. Watch as this rolls right here. I want you to focus in on the left side of the formation and look at the defensive end. Nobody's even worried about him. He's just running free because they know this is outside zone run, right? So you ignore the six technique. Now watch the, the left tackle and the left guard. They're going to double down on the strong side three technique. This is away from the running play, okay? I want you to really key in right here. you got Yash and John Runyon are doubling up this three technique. And what they're doing here is they're trying to get a seal. They're trying to get a seal right here. They want this to be the run gap right here. B gap right. BC right is what you would call that, okay? So as they're going right, they seal it off with a double team, but watch Yash. Yash with an awesome backside seal. So he helps double the three tech. He helps run him with that. Once they get that established, he gets way out here. He flips his hips, and now he seals off that defensive end who otherwise probably could have made a shoestring tackle on Goodson, who is the running back on this play. So you got that backside seal by Yash, which is absolutely huge in this play. So, again, you're taking advantage of hat count. 
you're also taking advantage of the fact that you're going to basically let the defensive end come unblocked. So you can now double the three, establish that wall. Now you've got this huge, huge running lane here. Before we get to the fun part, does anything stick out to you guys, Ryan, as far as what we've seen so far? Yeah, you know, if you go back to that first view from the sideline, um, the one thing that immediately stood out to me, because I'm staring at it, and I'm like, this feels like such an obvious run play and such a big numbers advantage. And you look at it, there's nine guys on defense. I mean, there's two, but they're so far off the screen. The safeties are so far back, you can't Mm -hmm. see them. You count them, you got nine. So we got three of their guys getting erased by our three wide receivers. The guy at the top of the screen is getting erased. So they got four defensive linemen and a linebacker that's about five yards off against our five offensive linemen. And if you, you know, if you play this out, the first safety doesn't come into the screen until our guys 10 yards down the field. <laughs> right. So, you know, and by that point, you've got one guy eating dirt. You got two, you, you got probably four or five of their guys flailing around on the ground somewhere, just getting completely turned around. I mean, this this was this was a, a destination, but it worked on two levels. Number one, the numbers advantage, I mean, they, they were they were seriously daring us to run, and that was a big mistake. And then second of all, like you pointed out, everybody executed perfectly. I mean, you you get a little bit of help because we got a slight numbers advantage early on, but you know you still got to win. And all it takes is one guy on the Chiefs team to break through and make a tackle to ruin this. But if if all our guys just do their job, yeah, you're going to see this a lot. And and hopefully that continues because when you got a guy like Aaron Rodgers, the tendency is going to be protect the pass, dare him to run. And if we can do more of this, that's going to be a problem. Yeah, absolutely, Jacob, dude. Let's, I'm going to give you the fun part here. Let's take it ahead here. All right, so watch the center. We're going from left to right across the offensive line in case you guys haven't caught on. We're kind of talking about everyone's assignment left to right. So you get that double team. You get the backside seal. Look at Josh Myers get out here. Josh Myers is literally five <laughs> yards down the field. And what I love about it, Jacob, look how he's still patient. Like he's not just going beeline to him. He knows I've got to get out here and form this wall. I've got to get way out here. I can't just try to – if he tries to attack the linebacker, he throws a little swim on him, and he's breaking the play up. But Myers is so patient. And look at this. This is murder. <laughs> I mean, he literally – For he, those who can't see, he wrote murder on the screen in <laughs> caption. So, <laughs> I mean, and everything that Josh does, he's patient, he's patient. Look right here. He gets underneath his pads. Look at that punch. That's not a that's not a DB either. That's a pretty big linebacker, isn't it? Yeah, and and that's yeah. the thing too. Like most centers are small, right? Most centers are anywhere from six one, six two. You know, you think yeah. of Scott Wells and those guys. Josh Myers, how tall is Josh Myers? I thought it was like six six or even bigger. It's huge, and like that's so rare for a center. But look at this dude. I mean, they, they, he's going hunting right here. He found him a wabbit. <laughs> <laughs> It's over. So I Jeez. love, I love it. I mean, it's six, five, three, 12. That's a big man. Yeah. <laughs> That's a big old center, big old center. All right. Um, so go ahead. Just real quick. Um, right before when we were just looking at the sideline view, one thing I noticed too, which I hadn't before is that um, Dobbs on the top of the screen, he actually mm-hmm. had just an, it wasn't a great block. And I honestly would have loved to see him hold it for just a, a couple more seconds. But he, if you notice, if he doesn't have just that little bit of an engagement there in that block, that guy comes in and makes the tackle there, I think, for, you know, five-yard gain. So it is really cool to see just – it's almost like poetry in motion, man, seeing all the different pieces. It's it's really cool. Yeah, and I think from Dobbs' perspective, you know, it's it's easy to sit here and look from a sideline view or an all-22 and think, 
God, he really should have set up inside and sealed that off better. But he doesn't know what's going on behind him. He doesn't know right. if if, uh, if Royce set his block or not, right? So he just kind of got to play it safe and get in the way a bit, you know? So, yeah, yeah good, good point, man. Good point. So, all right, let's go on to the next aspect, um, the next position, which is right guard. This is probably the most exciting. It's amazing. You've got the bully Josh Myers doing his thing five yards down the field, hunting that wabbit. Jeez. And then all of a sudden at right guard, this is just – this is – Tech, I mean, he's he's such a technician, Hanson is, at right guard. I'm blown away, guys, at how far he's come. Because I'm going to try to describe this here on the pod. He is basically going up against a three-tech, which means this defender is on his outside shoulder, and he knows I've got to get outside this three-technique somehow, some way. And that's the thing Goodson's looking for, too. If this guy goes completely upfield and blows up his outside shoulder – then Goodson's got to try to cut back inside. But I want you to really key in on Jake Hansen's feet and, and to t- try to describe it to you guys on the pod. He does what we call a poke reach, scissor kick. Watch his feet. He's going to get hands on him first, bang, and he literally, I don't know how he doesn't fall over his own feet. He goes right foot plant, left foot plant, shifts his hips with a 320-pound defensive lineman in front of him, and he literally – by the time he gets through his scissor kick, he has complete leverage over this defensive lineman. And it's not a hold, like I was telling Ryan offline, because he's got his base centered, his hands are in tight. You try to tuck those elbows into your waistline, right? You want to tuck them in and not get a hold of shoulder pads and stay in. And he literally just puts this guy in a turnstile. I mean, it, it, it's a poke reach, scissor kick, and his feet allow him to get outside leverage on a three technique. He puts this three technique in a turnstile. Watch this guy completely out of the play. And the defensive lineman tried to sell a hold there. But, again, the the the, the technique, the uh, I don't even know what the, the right word to use, his ability to get his base squared up is the reason there's no hold there. The guy just got beat out of a three. If this, if this Guys, if this is a one technique or even a two, I understand, okay, you know, Hanson, you know, Hanson uh, had had the leverage. He, it's easy to get your hips around. But the fact that he did this on the three tech is amazing. What do you think of that footwork, Ryan? Uh, Ryan had to hop off. It looks like so. Um, oh, gotcha. Okay. One thing though, if you can go back to the start of the snap, which I think is just really cool. This, yeah, that caption right there, guys. If you can't obviously see it, um, right before this, it seems like split second after the ball is snapped, both the right guard and the right tackle are already halfway through that is that what you call the poke step yeah or no the poke, it, the poke reach but they're just their first steps what you're referring to they look right. how look how in unison they are right and compared to the left side right so they know that they have to like you said get in uh, get across the body of that guy with the outside technique on them and it's just it is incredible to watch that man he is that's that's really fast and what's exciting to me is this isn't our starting offensive line right I mean, this is minus david bakhtiari this is minus Elton Jenkins. And, Jacob, if you don't care, man, kind of keep an eye on screen to see if Ryan comes back. Let me know when Ryan's back. You can interrupt me. It's okay if he comes back. So, as you see, Royce Newman at right tackle here does an excellent job setting the edge. I mean, he has this guy. Look, look at his legs. Yeah. Look at him drive this guy. He drives this guy completely out of the guy's not within six yards of the running back, and that's the guy who's supposed to be setting the edge. I mean, if you look at it from the sideline camera here, Royce Newman done an Jeez. excellent job. 
I mean, he he really creates the front side of that. And I think it's Goodson looking at him and how well he gets off the ball that helps him decide I've got to get outside. And you got to give uh you've got to give Goodson credit here too. That's not an easy thing to do right there. When you go pre-snap, Jacob, this looks like, man, I should really run inside. Look at all this space. Yeah. But as soon as it's snapped, you can see Goodson. He almost he starts to go that way, and then you see him plant and he's out. Yep. And and dude, it it takes some huevos. I won't use the other word. I won't use the American term, but it takes some huevos to run full speed into that gap. Yep. I mean, because you you you've got to have a really really good ball carrier vision to not get absolutely destroyed there. But again, the thing that stands out to me with Royce Newman, great base right from the beginning. He had a great base, got underneath the pads, and just drove that guy. I, when I see something like this, I understand why they've been playing Royce at right tackle now. It really, it really makes sense to me now. I mean, this guy is a – he. I wouldn't consider him a mauler, but he's a good combination of power and uh, and being a technician in the running game that uh, – I mean, he just does great. His hands stay low. He's inside his shoulder pads. He forces forces the defender outside of the numbers. I mean, I mean, look at that. That's the guy sitting the edge, and he's even with the numbers there. Yeah. Amazing, amazing job by Royce. So um, now let's get to the uh, the fun part where everybody likes to just really focus on the running back moves. And and it's funny, I don't get as, as excited about this stuff as I do the scheme itself. But let's watch as Goodson turns up field, right? He cuts the corner. They get that seal that they're looking for, right? They're getting that. You got that alley to run into there on the outside. Cuts back in. Watch this jump cut with his inside foot. <laughs> That's not – I mean – if you say jump cut and somebody's jumping from right to left, I would think that had to be his outside foot, right? He jump cuts off his inside foot and still yeah, has balance to avoid that tackle. He jump so cuts he, as he's almost hurdling a tackle. I believe that's Brian Cook, the safety too. So that's it's mm-hmm. not it's not no easy feat there. Absolutely. So he jump cut, bang, and then look right here. Watch he what he stutter step. Yeah, look at the stutter step because he's already look at wow. that. He's already setting this guy up. The He's doing that full up. speed. First of all, look at the linebacker. The linebacker just woke up. He just got off the ground. <laughs> but Josh Myers annihilates him. Josh Myers keeps going downfield. The linebacker wakes up, and he's just lost. Look at this guy. He's like, where What? Where? <laughs> where are we at? <laughs> is this Kansas City? That is Ma, incredible. Ma, meatloaf. That's what he's saying. Ma, <laughs> we want it now. Yeah. So then we hit him with the spin move, right? And then they look at, oh. look at that crime scene he leaves behind right here. So Goodson throws this spin move on, breaks the safety's tag. The safety is literally horizontal in the air. He takes out the corner that was coming over to try to help make the tackle, and he just leaves an absolute crime scene behind yeah. it. Basically, does a spin move causing the two defenders to run in each, into each other like it's an acne cartoon? Dude, I mean, everybody, you look at this entire play. Everybody did their job. Dobbs, again, hindsight's 20-20. You'd like to see him get inside and seal that off a little bit better, but he doesn't know where the run's going, right? But other than that, I mean, from start to finish, Jacob, you've got everything. The RPO bubble, if those guys, if they don't run that RPO bubble, then this safety, like I said in the very beginning, is probably coming down off the backside of the run and making the tackle. But instead, the RPO Keeps those guys froze. They did their job. Then you've got the backside seal 
by Yash. Yash helps double the three technique, backside seal. That completes that running lane, right? Then all of a sudden, downfield, you see Josh Myers. <laughs> his downfield block. Now, everybody has done their job to this point. So now it's on Goodson. I've got to make this safety miss. And that's exactly what he does. Jump cut. Free safety. Now, at this, at this point, guys, we're 15 yards into the play. It's already a successful game, but he's not done yet. Spin move on the other safety, took another DB out. So, essentially, everybody blocked who they were responsible for. Yash blocked two people on one play, helping with the double team and then the backside seal. And typically you say if it's a good running play, there should be one defender that the running back has to make miss. Goodson on this play made three guys miss 15 yards down the field. I mean, successful play all the way around. Is there anything else you want to talk about here, Jacob? Anything else that stands out to you? Man, honestly, no. I mean, like you said, um, it is just really pretty to watch it happen. I mean, it's funny that we can talk about a play for almost 30 minutes now, and it seems like you get more interesting or interested as it goes on just because you can break down on these little subtle details. Um, well, the only thing is I'd like to see Dobbs. I'm sure he got reamed out a little bit um, from the floor because, you know, he's got big shoes to fill what with Watkins and Lazard. They expect guys to hold those blocks for a little bit longer because um, if that's a different DB, I'm sure he maybe can make a play and that only goes for then a five yard run at that point. So big difference. Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, uh, the big thing is pre-snap sugar. That's what this RPO bubble is. Yeah. When we talk about sugar and on defense. It happens on offense too. You're basically splitting the defense down the middle pre-snap. Think of the days when McCarthy was here and you guys know I'm a, I was a big McCarthy fan. I thought McCarthy did an excellent job. I thought he was perfect for the Packers when he was there. The game evolved. He didn't evolve with it. He didn't do like Andy Reid and and go along with with everything. So, I mean, he deserved to lose his job. But think of how different this is from McCarthy's offense. In McCarthy's offense, it was line up. Here's what we're doing. Try to stop it. With this Matt LaFleur system, and like I said, Ryan, as soon as they made the hire and Ryan started studying into Matt LaFleur and this Shanahan offense, he was one of the first podcasters to talk about it. There's going to be so much chaos, so much horizontal chaos on the football field that it's going to free a lot of things up. This is what we're talking about. RPO bubble dividing the defense. And then, I mean, it's just a phenomenal play. Absolutely love it. Love this Matt LaFleur offense. So, again, the play call was 11, gun bunch, strong left, halfback strong, zone right, bubble alert. 11, gun bunch, strong left, halfback strong, zone right, bubble alert. I like to call it Josh Myers went hunting. Because that's exactly what that boy did. Um, love it, love it, love it. So, good stuff, Jacob. Thank you so much for taking the time to um, to help me break that down, bro. And uh, what we're going to do, guys, we're going to take a quick break. We're a little bit late on the break, but you guys know we nerd out over this stuff. And also, I want to mention that later on this afternoon, we will have a video, a companion video to go along with this on my YouTube channel so you can get the visualization. Probably about 20 minutes long, breaking everything down. So if you listen to this podcast and go, man, I'd really like to see that play visually, just go to my YouTube channel and you can find it there. So let's take us a quick commercial break. When we get back, we're going to talk a little PFF and uh, and moving forward here as we get ready for the 53-man uh, roster cut down. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view 
on all possible cards and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. All right, we're back. So, Jacob, coming out of Sunday's or uh, Thursday's game, I'm sorry, Thursday's game, final preseason game, man. Um, a lot of stuff got shook up. I think that a lot of people established themselves. I think there were several people that took a step back. Um, Rasheed Walker really surprised me from what I understand. It sounded like he had a good game, and we had heard nothing about him, right? So that was kind of odd to me. But what stood out to you with the game? What have you been pondering on as far as PFF goes? I know you've been digging through the numbers. What's uh, what's kind of popping out to you right now? Yeah, real quick, just to touch on Rasheed Walker, he had a 71.5 offensive grade in week three. Um, but what's really encouraging is he had an 83.6 pass block grade, which, you know, that's amazing. Caleb Jones, again, dude, that guy just continues to impress. And I I don't know what to do. We were talking again offline, and I, I'm i done trying to pretend like I know what's going on with the 53. I'm just going <laughs> to throw my hands up and stop sweating over it because I think about it while I'm going to bed. Um, you know, you guys know that I'm a big Winfrey fan, and that battle between him and Torre, I don't know. You flip a coin, I guess, and – Honestly, I won't be mad either way. I'll be disappointed just because I, like I said, I've been a Winfrey fanboy since day one. So we'll mm-hmm. see how that works, man. But yeah, there's some there's some encouraging stuff. Like we said, Samari Tori was the highest graded uh, guy on our team this week with 77.1 overall offensive grade. Uh, Josh Myers, it's great to see him stepping up and having some putting together some really quality starts. Obviously, we just look back at that play and him just. <laughs> beasting over people and um it's good to see him take that progression royce newman taking progression surprisingly tyler davis had decent uh grade this week so i mean love him or hate him you have to at least be happy he's grading out decent and then some kind of interesting stuff just uh over the three games of the total preseason winfrey and amari tied for 12th in the overall drop grades with a 75.6 so that's kind of interesting and a little fun fact amari is ranked third in overall fumble grade with a 77.6 ishmael hyman ranks 24th with a 73.2 and uh torrey ranks 47th with a 71.3 in that fumble grade danny davis still ranks 28th overall in reception grades uh receiving grades with 78.4 but granted that's with one game so you got to take that with a little bit of grain and salt uh, was there anything else on offense that you wanted to touch on with pff or was no i think you pretty much covered it there yeah if you want to move to defense real quick i again Devonte cross i'm so confused with what to think of him um an amazing grade of 87.9 he only did it on 16 snaps and um 
that that 87.7 he actually ranks 32nd overall but again that's only on 31 total snaps so it's not the largest sample size there but um then quay ranks quay ranks second with a 71.1 grade love to see it tackling grade is 79.9 i mean that's just awesome Tariq carpenter a guy that i know we've been talking about here and there he had a 66.6 overall defensive grade run defensive grade was Eh, okay with a 57.3 but he had a tackling grade of 81.8 so if you look at him compared to the rest of the league he is ranked fourth overall in tackling grade with an 86.1 on 63 snaps so that's a pretty good sample size there again fourth overall McDuffie ranks 36 overall in pass rush ranking with an 81.0 and uh yeah man a couple other things like that you don't love seeing Ty Summers with a 28.1 overall grade, but Ryan seems to think that maybe he might make the team because of that special teams grades, which I can jump over to what special was, teams what real quick. Special teams grade again for Summers? Special teams grade for Summers, I believe. Is that who you were just talking about? Yeah, his defensive grade was pathetic. It was like a 28, but the D, the uh, special teams grade for him was 62.7. So he was our seventh ranked special teams player. So that's the only reason why I would ever see him Slipping onto that 53 specifically is because of special teams. Um, yeah. But again, Kingsley was our third ranked special teamer this week. Ladarius Hamilton, our fourth ranked. So those I think are ways that guys, those guys are going to make the team again. Ennis Gaines was ranked fifth. So I think that might be the only option for him to make the team, even though safety is a little bit up in the air right now. Um, but and then this is just random and weird. I don't know if a 60.0 grade is just like a par for a special teams grade, but for whatever reason, the Packers had 15 people that graded with a 60.0 grade on special teams. I don't know why that is. Must but, be some kind of baseline. I bet you're uh, probably right there. I'm thinking, but <laughs> other than that, man, I just was, uh, oh, did you still want to go over that um, clip with Devontae Wyatt and maybe uh, take a peek Absolutely. at that? Let's, okay. uh, let's, do, let's start with Sam Holman's tweet here. I'm going to share the screen with you. Um, Sam Holman put a tweet out. I'm going to read it to you guys, too. We're going to have the sound off for this one so you have no echo, Jacob. Um, but Sam Holman tweet, he said, play number four, I think people got distracted by the fantastic tackle from Quay and ignored and didn't notice why it's smoking Trey Smith with a club dip rip move. Club dip and rip move. Keep in mind that Smith was the second best guard on ESPN's pass block win rate last year. Yeah. I love Sam Holman, dude. The attention yeah. to detail. First of all, the club dip and rip. Love the terminology. And then on top of that, he said, okay, he beat this guard, but let's let's really take a look and see how good this guard is. He's, uh, you know, the second best guard in ESPN's pass block win rate all of last year. So this was no scrub that Wyatt did this against. Let's play this real quick. And uh, actually, let me turn – I probably need to turn the sound on um, just so the, the audience uh, on the podcast can hear this, and then I'll mute it back for you, Jacob. Let's check this out real quick. Here's the play that Sam Holman was talking about. Maybe there'll be sound. Maybe there won't. Looks like Sam protected himself with no sound there. I like it. Good job, Sam. <laughs> so let me go ahead and mute that so you have no uh, no echo. Sorry about that, guys. All right, so let's just walk this talk. Welcome through the play here as we look at it. I'm just going to play it from start to finish here. You see Devontae Wyatt right here. Looks like he's in a three technique. On the upper side of the screen, the Chiefs are going from right to left. Jeez. Wow. Yeah, he's in the backfield quick. Did you see that, Jacob? He's fast, man. I yeah, mean, that's where you see quick. a lot of that speed that we forget how quick he is. And, man, he showed it there. 
here's something else too. Look at the signal. He's signaling something. Yeah. I love these. It's it's funny. You've got Wyatt doing a signal, and you've and got Quay Walker communicating too, right behind him. These are rookies, guys. Rookies. Same with McDuffie too. Yeah. Oh yeah! yeah. Wow. Club dip and rip. Watch it. Watch it here. Let's break it down as he goes in. So the ball snapped. There's the club dip, and look at his <laughs> right arm ripping. And and the whole point of the rip is if you can get that arm underneath. The offensive line. I wish you could see the offensive lineman right now, guys. He looks like he's trying to get on a donkey or something. It's hilarious. <laughs> but you get that when you get that rip, you're getting that shoulder underneath the outside shoulder of the offensive lineman. And the only thing they can do is, is you're either beating them or they're holding you. Nothing, nothing else, right? Yeah. So club dip and rip. I mean, he's in the backfield immediately. Jeez. Love it. And and here's the thing. The ball came out on time. It went to an out route, a quick little out route uh, to the receiver, or it might have been, been the running back. Let's see here. I don't want to tell you guys wrong. Yeah, it was it was to the uh, – it was actually the flat. Okay, so it was a halfback flat. So the ball comes out quick, right? And, and we all noticed Quay Walker on this play, which is funny because when you're watching a game, you're, you're constantly watching the ball, right? But I love that Sam picked that up because – if that play isn't there, if that flat isn't there, Jacob, oh, yeah. it's what over. happened. It's yeah. over. Wyatt is annihilating the backside of this quarterback. So good stuff. You know what else is cool, man? You see there, Garvin's got a pretty good bull rush that if, I don't think – same thing if that flat pass isn't there. It looks like Garvin ends up pushing that tackle right into the quarterback. Yeah, the whole pocket is collapsing. Yeah. That's for sure. I mean, that's a great, great job there by the defensive line. Good stuff. So Sam Holman, thank you so much. If you guys aren't following Sam, I don't know how he doesn't have more followers. You guys need to be following him. It's at Sam underscore capital D capital H Holman. Okay. H O L M A M. So it's at Sam underscore D Holman. Um, excellent, excellent follow on Twitter. All right. So let's do this. Let's move on to another clip that we talked about. And this is Quay Walker making this play. Now, uh, when you hear Brian Baldinger talk on this clip, he tweeted this out. Looks like he's filming this video with a potato off the screen. I don't know what's <laughs> going on there. But anyway, he, uh, he he's going to talk about Quay Walker making this tackle. And it gets a little bit mixed up because he also talks about Devontae Wyatt doing a spin move. These are two separate plays. The Sam Holman play is this play where Quay Walker makes the sideline tackle. And he's going to really highlight Quay. But then he's going to go into a little clip on Devontae Wyatt, and it kind of sounds like it's the same play, but it's not. This is the play with the club dip and rip, and then there's another play where Devontae Wyatt does a spin move. And the reason it's it's a club spin combo, the reason it's important is because these are two separate plays where Devontae Wyatt was wreaking havoc. And you guys have heard we felt like he's had a bad preseason, kind of a bad camp. Not bad, but we were expecting more out of a first-round pick. Then you see these clips and go, okay, PFF isn't telling the entire story, which is what we always talk about. PFF is an awesome tool. It's not the tell-all, end-all. But let's see if we can get some audio here for you guys. And, uh, Jacob, if you end up getting an echo after this, just remind me to mute it. But let's go ahead and jump in here and hear what Baldy had to say about this play. And here we go. The Packers had two first-round picks, the 22nd and the 28th pick in the first round. The 22nd pick, they took Quay Walker. With the 28th pick, they took 95, Devontae Wyatt. Watch the flash right here of Quay Walker, like the closing speed from one side of the field to the other. And then watch the spin here, Devontae Wyatt. Okay, I'm going to pause it. 
this right here was a separate play, guys, okay? And he didn't say it was the same play. But yeah, when you yeah. watch the video, it kind of misleads you into thinking it might be the same play. So thank you, Jacob, for pointing that out because I definitely would have screwed that up. You and Ryan both pointed that out. I appreciate that. But here we go. Sorry to interrupt. The violent spin, the chop, the spin. Like you watch this thing <laughs> at full speed and you're like, what was that? Like watch this thing, chop, spin, watch the hook. Like just slams the guard into the backfield coming after the quarterback. Those two first round picks flashed. They might not be stars right away, but they're gonna help this defense. And the overall speed of this defense could be as fast as it's been in a long, long time. Love it, love it, love it. And that's the thing that stands out to me, Jacob. We're going to run this a couple of times for you again here with the Quay Walker play. But this this defense, does it not feel so much faster, man? I mean, it, it they feel like – especially Quay. Quay's first step is unbelievable. What, yeah, what do you think yeah. here when you watch this play? Um, it, just it just feels, feels faster, faster, bigger, bigger stronger. stronger. I mean, I, I, mean, I, I don't think, I don't I've, think been I've been this excited for a defense in – I, I, I don't I don't 15 years maybe <laughs> right, longer right. I mean everything from the the d-line to the linebacking core to the depth of our cornerbacks uh, the only thing I'm worried about is safety just with savage and you know not quite knowing who can fill that role but yeah dude I, I cannot wait to see Devondre Campbell and and Walker out there together and especially on plays where they can one of the two of them are freed up to just be blitzers or to, you know, Oh man, just to watch them wreak havoc. And the, like you said, the closing speed, those are two fully grown men, six, four, six, five, that can run like the wind and just take people out. And I'm excited, man. And if, if, if Wyatt can take any sort of step and like, you see the raw talent. I mean, if we get a couple of, a couple of the games under his belt and he starts like, you know, getting used to the game speed of playing with the pros. And you saw, like Sam Holman said, that's one of the best blocking pass blocking guards in the league. And he kind of schmucked them. So I'm excited. Yeah, absolutely. And what's crazy about this too is Devontae Wyatt. First of all, Quay Walker, it's just athleticism. You can tell. I mean, the guy is just a monster. He's so quick. Great first step. Seems to understand the game really well. But when it comes to the Devontae Wyatt play, he's technically lined up in a four technique. Okay. So you've got the, the center, the guard, and you've got Devontae Wyatt, that's a really, really wide technique for a defensive tackle, okay, yeah. for a defensive lineman in this in this uh, system. He is lined up in a four, so he's directly across from the left tackle, okay? And then when you roll the play, the guard engages, right? The, the tackle is going to take the edge defender. When you look at this pre-snap, if you told me the guard is blocking Wyatt, you would say, okay, there's no way he's going to beat him inside. But again, you get the chop and the spin. Jeez. He beats him to the inside. Like he made this guy look silly. Like to the point, Jacob, watch it again, dude. Look where the guard ends up. I'm not trying to be perverted here, but the guard ends up with his head buried into the ground <laughs> of his offensive tackle. tackle. Like he is completely out of the play. Look That's at that. what I, I wish you guys could see. Basically, so he he chops and then turns and does the spin so hard that he's able to actually position his body directly behind the guard. And then he can control him as the guards momentum is basically driving him into the ground. So he's almost like steering the guy, like, like a bouncer when he, when you see in the uh, movies where they throw him out by the, like the back of their shirt, you know, kind of thing. That's how he oh, does. He has him 
Yeah, you mean like Roadhouse, right? Like Roadhouse, exactly. <laughs> it all comes I mean. back to Roadhouse. <laughs> exactly. Oh, by the way, we should definitely clip that audio of Brian Baldinger. Cut, chop, and we gotta oh, put yeah. that somewhere in the podcast. Got to, got to, man. Uh, love it, dude. Love it. So, man, we covered a lot. We really did. We're at the forty-five minute mark. We may just wrap it up right here. Uh, again, uh, Ryan, apologize. He shot me a message. Said he had some stuff to take care of. Uh, had something come up. No emergency though. Everything's good. Um, but uh, appreciate his time coming on here. Uh, hate it because I know he geeks out over this stuff uh, just like we do. But um, yeah, is there anything else that comes to mind, uh, Jacob? Um, as far as uh, you want to cover before we get out of here, we got a few minutes. Man, I'm just um, I'm really not excited for Tuesday. It's my birthday. I should be super jacked up, but I mean, as many uh, as many things I look forward to. Anytime we cut people, I do not enjoy that like i said especially when you follow them on instagram you get to know some of these guys and how excited they are to be in green bay and how hopeful they are to make the team and then you have to see them kind of just get their dreams and hopes crushed (laughs) but you know that's football man and that's that's why it's uh highs and lows you know what i mean so yeah i'm interested to see how that shakes out the samari tory the winfrey battle the third running back battle some of that depot line stuff, the six guy on uh, D line, how many linebackers we keep, how many safeties we keep. So yeah, it's a lot, man. It's a lot, but it's good drama. Yeah. It's uh man. It, isn't it amazing? Like next week, there's no football next week. Right. Wow, and when you see that on the surface, it's like, that's depressing, but man, the 53 man cut down is like, this is huge. This is all right. Who who are the guys that earn the spot? Who are the guys that make the roster? Who are these guys that we're going to be watching the next 17, 18 weeks play football and into the postseason? Lord willing, right? And the creek don't rise. Um, <clears throat> it's it's still going to be a power-packed week, even though there's no football. I mean, you have the 53 roster, and then the scramble comes where literally there's already teams. They've got people on speed dial, and the second they are cut, there's calls made to get them on their active roster. And then it's who's going to make waivers from our cuts onto the practice squad. And, again, just to kind of revamp, to the best of my knowledge, you've got a Packers squad <clears throat> that fits 10 people who have been in the league two years or less. Okay, you can fit 10 of those guys on the practice squad. Then you've got an additional six that anybody can be put on the practice squad. That's the way I understand. It doesn't matter how many years they've been in the league. So you're going to have a good little mix of veterans with – guys who have been in the league for two years or less. Um, are they going to be our guys? There, I guarantee you there's going to be guys that are cut on other teams, and this is the reason those phone calls are made. This is the reason, just kind of give you a backdoor view of, of how the front office looks at cut day. <clears throat> what they're doing is they're going back through their draft board. The Packers right now, I guarantee you, they've got their draft board poured up, and they're going, okay, from the third round on, what players were we real high on that we just missed in the draft? Okay, let's get those guys on speed dial because if they get cut, we're bringing them in immediately. These are the guys that would probably warrant us putting them on the active roster because understand any players, guys, that that you sign uh, that got cut, they have to go on your active roster, right, because you can't just try to pass them. I mean, once you do pass them on to the practice squad, yeah, you can attempt to do that, but there's not a team that's going to cut them if they plan on having them on their practice squad. So you're going to have teams fighting for these free agents. And uh, you've got guys that hit on your draft board somewhat high that the Packers are going, 
that right there is worth us signing him to the active roster and us cutting X player in return, right? You got a lot of that going on. So it seems like a, a very, very slow week for us, Jacob. But, dude, at 1265 Lombardi Avenue, there's people working their tails off right this moment, getting ready for the chaos that is cut down day. So um, I'm excited about it, man. It's right around the corner, dude. We get through this week. Then it's week one. Game on, dude. Um, we got the Vikings. It's going to be a blast. So uh, anything else you want to add before we sign off here, man? No, man. It's uh, like you said, I'm just I'm so happy. It's it seems like it's been such a long off season, and it it it's a lot more enjoyable when you do what we do, which is just, you know, nerd out and follow every <laughs> single little story like it's, um, you know. One thing I, I'm definitely going to spend the day doing, I'm an hour into the Joe Rogan interview with Aaron Rodgers and man, he's a, he's kicking the hornet's nest. I tell you what, he doesn't give any, you know, what's anymore. So what's, here's, what's crazy. And, and guys, there's some people going, don't do it. Don't do it. I'll cut it off. I understand. <laughs> I am so tired of politics and the division yeah. in our country. If you guys haven't caught on by now, I think both parties are absolutely stupid. It's, it's all just designed to divide us. That's all it is. But anyway, if you listen to that interview and you come away mad at Aaron Rodgers, like, then you're just you're dogmatic. I'm going to call it what it is. You you've picked one side or the other, and that doesn't make you a bad person. But you you don't have the right to get mad at someone who's pointing out the flaws of both sides and wants a better society. Like, do I wish he hadn't went on a, a mushroom trip? Absolutely. <laughs> Am I doing mushrooms? No, I disagree with that aspect of his You're life. You're not on mushrooms right now? No, oh, no not, right, not today. Right. Anyway, right? So right. to, to pretend like I've got to agree or disagree with every little thing he does is just ridiculous. But I love the fact that he pointed out, too. And what's funny is half of our listeners will disagree with the fact that he said Obama was one of the greatest presidents. That doesn't make him right or wrong, right, and you wrong, or, or you wrong and him right. It's his opinion, right? How have we got to the point where no matter what someone says, we're going to find fault with it? I'll tell you how we've gotten to that point, because everything's designed to keep us divided. It's designed yep. to keep us divided by race, by economical status, by religious beliefs. Some of my best friends, Jacob, <clears throat> are atheists. Some of my best friends completely disagree with my politics. What's funny is I've got Republican friends and Democrat friends. And I disagree with both of them. And it's hilarious getting in a group with them. I'm like, you, you guys are idiots. Like, you. <laughs> but again, when it comes to that interview, I'm glad he went on there and uh, and just expressed some freedom of speech. That's just me personally. So, yeah. again, the goal of talking about that stuff, uh, we didn't even plan on bringing it up. It's no. not to <laughs> it's not to make people mad. It's not to try to make my opinion sound greater than someone else's. That's not the point. The point is. Um, the guy went on and spoke truth to the best of his, you know, the best of his ability. I'm not going to fault him for that. Just like I'm not going to fault you, whoever's listening to my voice right now, because you disagree with Aaron. Everybody has the right to their own opinion, and uh, that's what I love about Packers Without Borders too. I listen to that podcast. One of the things they said to me early on is, "Everybody's welcome here." That's how we look at. It. We're here to talk ball. Now it just so happens that arguably one of the greatest quarterbacks in the history of the league went on one of the most controversial podcasts. Seems like that that tends to be the trend here lately. But again, he's like, look, this is who I am. This is what I believe. And if you don't like it, get over it. 
You know, I can respect that aspect. I really can, no matter what stance you have. So, um, yeah, I'm just saying be ready because Twitter, like you said, Jacob, they he picked the hornet's nest. They're vicious, man. <laughs> they are vicious. I, I, you're going to see my gift today. I guarantee it. <clears throat> you're going to see the, the Grandpa Simpson gift where he walks into the, the shop, takes sets the hat down, <laughs> circle, takes his hat back, and walks right back out the building. That'll be me on Twitter today because I can't stand to see people divided. And there's – Every ounce of energy we spend arguing, whether it's on social media or face to face, is it's energy that's wasted that could be put to something good and helping other people that need help. No matter what their political stance is, no matter what their financial background is, we're all stuck here. Why don't we try to get along and help each other out? That's my motto. So with that being said, we're going to get out of here, guys. Thank you so much for taking the time to to hang out with us. We always appreciate it. Always a blessing. Uh, to interact with you guys on Twitter. My Twitter follows and the people I follow on Twitter, man, I keep it pretty clean. And we have great conversations about football and life and everything. And and I I come away from Twitter uh, mostly encouraged. It's just every now and again, I'm like, how did this end up on my timeline? (laughs) All right, let's go ahead and mute that person and remove it off my timeline because all these doings are arguing. That's, That's how I handle it. So, but anyway, thank you guys for taking time to hang out with us. Um, we're going to get this pod out immediately. And then later this afternoon, again, if you're one of those people that find yourself going, man, I wish I could see the visual aspect, I'm going to cut a separate video on my YouTube channel. Just go to my Twitter account. You'll see the YouTube link right there in my bio, and I'll try to pin that video to the top of my Twitter page, too, so you can go see the visual aspect. It'll be much shorter, probably about 20 minutes long, just me breaking down that one play. And again, that play call was 11 11 gum bunch, strong left, halfback strong, outside zone, bubble alert. So thank you guys for hanging out with us. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. And go Pack Go. Thirteen is to go. Good meter. 17 to 14. Cowboys out in front. 